but it, it really was the vehicle for me to understand that um, I am, uh, that the, my most important sexual partner is myself. You know, always. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> like, I think oh. we just both, like, actually, yeah. that we were glowing. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah and that, that, that's kind of the bottom line, right? Intimate, inspiring, raw, real. Self-love stripped down and amped up. Welcome to Bed Talks by Alice Cass with your hosts, Meg and Sabrina. So what can you expect from Bed Talks? By exposing ourselves and sharing our no-bullshit stories and everything we've learned along the way, we want to inspire you to stand in your worth and step into your feminine power so you can be confidently and unapologetically you. Bed Talks is fueled by our mission to highlight all facets of what it means to be a woman, letting go of ideals of perfectionism, embracing the struggles for the lessons they teach us, and celebrating our uniqueness while laughing and enjoying the wild ride together. Here's to breaking down the barriers, owning our journey, and having fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive deep. Sonia Sloan is a pole dance instructor, feminist, and art historian who has been teaching dance for the past 12 years in Vancouver and now in Montreal. The beginning of her pole journey coincides with what she understands as her feminist awakening in terms of dismantling and internalized misogyny. She has a PhD in art history and theory, specializing in post-war European art, feminist theory, and art practice. She's a Taurus, hates green peppers, and is obsessed with anything 80s. She's a brilliant, powerful, inspiring badass. We explore one of our favorite topics here at Bed Talks, dualities, through her life as both a pole dancer and an academic. The struggles, stigmas, blocks she so openly shares with us. We get into owning your sexuality and not diminishing yourself because of anyone else's judgments or expectations. And we know that you will deeply connect with her through your own story as we did. Get ready to get inspired. I discovered Sonia on on Instagram. I think the first time. Yeah. So you're a pole dancer. Yes, I am. And I've actually I've taken one of your classes. <laughs> it was awesome. So good. I, I remember seeing you on Instagram and being like, "Wow!" Because you move with like such fluidity and so oh, slow. Thank you. It's incredible. And I think that's like one of the hardest parts of pole dancing is to get that. I would agree. Fluid yeah. movement to look. Like you, it's just beautiful, effortless, um, effortless, Jeez. exactly, and um, yeah, and then on top of that, it was also like your captions that like so captured oh. me and I'm, like drew me in because you really spoke to like what pole dancing like is, mm-hmm. you know. There's that, there's that, there's so much like controversy in a sense around it. There's still that like um, stigma, stigma. Mm-hmm. around what it is, and. Of course, because we live in a world where, you know, like women's sexuality is still stigmatized and policed and (laughs) criticized. So for to see you do something so beautiful and like to to hear your thoughts on it. And then I found out that you were actually had a uh, you were you were writing your PhD at the time when I discovered you. I think you you, I've completed it. You've completed it. So congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I guess we could get started. What was your PhD? Yeah, Um, I did a PhD in art history and theory focusing on post-war European art and performance, specifically when it comes to uh, f- feminist performance practices in uh, the 1970s. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was, so yeah. that's right. I had looked at that and I was like, I know nothing about that time. <laughs> and I was so excited for you to tell me. Um, I find it's, it's such, learning about history through art is so fascinating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it really makes you time travel and understand the politics, religion, the societal norms, Mm -hmm. oppression, Mm -hmm. um, and especially coming off of, you know, war times when people are looking for their identity Mm -hmm. and like, you know, what, what drew you to that time of art, that, that period? You know, it's funny you ask that because I... I'm actually a closeted medievalist. Like my favorite, favorite thing when I went into art history was was uh, medieval art okay. and like devotional practices. And I think it's part of it is because being from Quebec and being a Catholic school girl and all that stuff, I was completely fascinated by the fact that there was a man nailed to a cross in every single room I ever walked in. And uh, yeah, so I was really into kind of medieval art and devotional practices and all this stuff. And uh, then I was introduced uh, in my modern art classes to um, this radical bunch of Austrian artists in the 60s 
who basically did these really kind of um, violent um, performances using their bodies and lots of sort of uh, allusions to crucifixion or to sort of self-harm. And this is, you know, Austria, which is after the war and a country that basically was was very, very involved with National Socialism and Nazism and uh, a younger generation trying to deal with that that guilt. And um, so that's how I got into the, these radical performance practices of the post-war period. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it Loaded. really kind of spoke to that kind of 1968 moment of uh, just, rebellion. you know, rebellion yeah. and... Uh, kind of uh, realization of repression and, and uh, that's not only kind of political and cultural, uh, but also the body being extremely implicated, the body being the instrument or the, the landscape that power sort of exerts itself upon, whether it's political or, you know, um, cultural or social. So That's so fascinating. Mm. I can totally see the links now to, to yeah, pole dancing. Yeah. So how did you um, get into pole dancing? What attracted you there? And I got into pole virtually at the same time that I started my degree in art history because uh, I went back to school kind of late in life. And uh, I was in the fitness industry before uh, because I was spending so much time in the gym that I was like, might as well get paid for it. So I got into the, <laughs> I, I became a fitness trainer. And um, I had always been fascinated by exotic dancers. I, in college, when I, uh, well, very beginnings of college before I quit early in the, you know, 2000s, when I lived in Montreal, I had all guy roommates and we used to go to super sex every Fridays between four and eight because there was a great happy hour. Uh And I used to be just fascinated by these, what these women could do. And they were, you know, it was just so powerful. And, uh, you know, fast forward to 10 years later, I'm a fitness instructor going through Craigslist and there's a all women's gym looking for, you know, somebody to teach group classes. And I walk in and it's a pole studio. And the, uh, the owner and I uh, kind of got on like a house on fire. She hired me immediately. And uh, she started teaching me the moment I walked in. And then I started teaching as I learned. Wow. So I was never, I, was, I, I learned as I began to teach. That's incredible. So that was a journey that I think really helped me become kind of a, a teacher who could break things down and That's kind of it. identify with people's struggle when it comes to the sport, uh, which is kind of twofold mm-hmm. um have you had any dance experience previously or i had dance experience because i did ballet okay. uh when i was young so kind of lines and knowing how to kind of position my body that definitely helped i had a certain body awareness yeah uh but mm-hmm. no nothing kind of past the age of like 10 oh yeah. wow mm-hmm. and have you ever expressed yourself through art before before this i did a lot of acting okay yeah I loved being in plays and stuff like that, but never sort of... Scripted plays. Yes. It was always something that was within a construct that, you know, that gave me limits and that that had boundaries. And I needed to perform, which was pretty much life, you know, Mm -hmm. within those boundaries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was very unfulfilling. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and that's how I kind of left that, part of my life behind and went back into academia because, uh, you know, the, the, the visual art, using a piece of visual art to sort of anchor um, your thoughts on a particular historical, you know, moment or viewing as a reflection of a particular historical, geopolitical uh, sort of social moment um, allowed me to kind of harness a certain creativity but at the same time it being intellectually fulfilling as well Mm -hmm. so yeah that's kind of Mm -hmm. I love I love the journey from you know academia in terms of that time where there was trauma and people were looking to express themselves Mm -hmm. and find their identity and rebellion and 60s and you going into acting and expressing yourself but having these boundaries mm-hmm. and then kind of just by chance finding pole and yeah. teaching as you learn and expressing yourself and you know is is this the most freeing practice that you've participated in yes absolutely and, and when did that freeing like click moment happen for you 
I think I, I came face to face with my own repression yeah. <laughs> because of it. Uh, because I came into pole, you know, really early, even though people think it's kind of a new thing now. Uh, this was, you know, way before kind of Instagram and all yes, that stuff. Yeah. And uh, th there were very few pole studios. Mm -hmm. And there was a really a very big stigma, very much a big stigma within the pole community. It had to be pole fitness. It had to be pole sport. You taught a class. You could not use the word sexy or um, boyfriend or, of course, you always want to be sort of, you know, you want to be um, inclusive and gender neutral, so always partner. Uh, but it was just the idea of it being for someone or sexualizing it in any yeah. way was verboten. It was you do not do that because people weren't really receptive right. um, or it would alienate people. People were so afraid of being judged and um, and with with reason because it is still you, something you, that we, you do we get are judged. Still, even Absolutely. now today, the, oh. especially exotic, like, exactly. you know, you have to be like, oh, it's a great workout. Like yes. the way you pitch it to people, it's like, yeah, I do it for fitness. You mm -hmm. have to like add that in. Mm -hmm. I, I've noticed and I, I love exotic. I don't mm -hmm. care that much about the yeah. like gymnastics sides yeah. of it. To me, it's like the dance aspect, the, the sexual expression, you know, to have a safe container to mm -hmm. be able to express yourself in that way yeah. um, is, is like what draws me to it personally. And I'm sure you've had like resistance come up because you, oh, you focus on exotic times right? oh yeah, yeah. And, and that's why because when I started um, I couldn't recognize myself in you know the gymnasticky tricky you know wanting to compete in pole competitions type thing mm. I was like who am I within this sport within this you know practice I love it but you know where is my spot and uh, my um my boss was an ex-exotic dancer and that's how she got into it. And we, she had one exotic dance class and I just took to it like a fish to water. I was just, mm. this is exactly it. And it just kind of went from there, you know, and, um, and the difference between a pole fitness class and an exotic class is what exactly the ability to kind of express yourself more sexually or is it, I don't what think you, like, it's an ability because we all have that ability. Yeah. It's a permission. Got it. You have got to give yourself permission to be that way. Because that is something that, you know, w the entire world polices women on that front. And we police each other and we police ourselves. So, you know, it was, and that's how the movement got freed up as well as soon as I sort of gave myself permission to move a certain way and explore what my type of dance was and not imitating maybe what somebody else was doing that I thought was sexy. It didn't jive with me. It didn't jive with my mm. body, you know, and it's just kind of figuring it out and, and practicing and listening to the music and, you know, really digging into kind of, um, yeah, my my meat <laughs> yeah, my have flesh, you, yeah have you always sort of been connected to that side of yourself like is oh, that something no, no. Oh, no. so <laughs> how did you how did that transformation occur because I know when I know showing up first of all to a pole dancing class like your first time is super intimidating, intimidating. like every woman is yeah. just like oh my god like yeah like I, I I've been I went alone to my first one and I was like terrified you know and and like I and I'm still like pretty open to this stuff you know I'm in my lingerie on the internet yeah. all the time. Like I'm, I consider mm -hmm. myself to be pretty comfortable with my body, mm -hmm. but like when it comes to movement and dancing and in front of other people, it, it's like, you know, the comparison game starts happening and then you're, you're kind of very self-aware and, and again, that permission that you mm -hmm. that we maybe don't give ourselves. Like, how was that for you? Like, how, how did you feel? How, when was that moment that you were able to shift or was there so, some sort of practice or what helped you with that? You know, I, I think part of it was, you know, uh, coming, like I said before, coming face to face with my own internalized misogyny Yeah. that yeah. I really didn't realize I had yeah. I, until I started, you know, um, I started coaching exotic dancers Yeah. and I had had a, a conversation with my, with my boss at the time and said, but, you know, aren't we just encouraging them to be in a space that is you know, uh, abusive and all this stuff where they're objectifying themselves. And she looked at me and she said, she said, if that's her choice, that's her choice, first of all. And second of all, my feminism will give her the tools 
to be able to function within that system and demand more money because she's got, you know, the, the, the talent and the practice and the ability to be in a better club and, you know, use this as a, a you know, really treat it as a career and move up and all that. And I was like, wow. Wow. My feminism, yeah. it was totally wrapped up in a patriarchal notion of what female liberation and emancipation was. It's, you know, where the shoulder pads get a job and be, yeah. you know, well, you don't realize yeah. how, how deeply mm -hmm. rooted that is and yeah. how you're sustaining mm -hmm. that. Oh, big time. Even yeah. with your feminism, yeah. you're sustaining it. For sure. You know? So it was one, that realization, those conversations, and then just um, discovering dance while I'm teaching. It was really... You know, the, the, the way my dance evolved, the way my movement evolved, the way my, my body opened up to a certain range of motion and a certain way of moving had nothing to do with sort of an aesthetic or wondering if this is going to be attractive to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Is, am I doing it right it had to do with kind of going, I'm going to go to the absolute end of this movement and mm. I'm going to see where it takes me, whether it's just a, an arm gesture or a point of your toe or an extension of the leg. And of course, there's some technique involved in it, but, and it's, it's kind of exploring that with my students as the years went by and creating this space where, you know, it's just a bunch of, of women uh, on a random weeknight in their heels and going, okay, let's play, let's, let's dance. This is a safe space. Uh, dust off the patriarchy. Nobody's going to judge you here, <laughs> you know, leave it at the door. And, um, yeah, just open up. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. And I think that it's, um, it's so powerful to give people the space to get out of their heads mm -hmm. and into their bodies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's where I think a lot of, people who do the work, the self-work, you know, listen to all the podcasts, read the books, you know, click with whatever mentors out there. Um, you learn to really start to understand that voice mm -hmm. in your head. Mm -hmm. And this is a way to really embody it and really put it into practice. But, and and that the voice is not, yeah. it, those are all the learned, mm -hmm. that's the learned shit yeah. and the norms and the stuff and the subconscious and we get so wrapped up in there. And that's mm -hmm. when, you know, the chest tightens anxiety. Ah, mm -hmm. And so to really, like you're saying, like, get out. Sure, learn the technique. And we did a dance class. And our dance teacher was always like, get out of your head. Mm -hmm. Feel it in your body. Feel it in your body. And, you know, and just to give people that space is, is so freeing. It I is, mean, yeah. that's why I'm so attracted to eccentrics. And that's why it feels so powerful for me to give, especially women, um, that vehicle to get into their body, mm -hmm. that safe vehicle. Mm -hmm. And it's all women. And that's mm -hmm. another thing that, like, it wasn't a moment where I realized it. It's the, 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 the breadth of, you know, the, the, the type of women that I've taught, you know, I've, I've taught transgender women and they taught me so much about what, how I need to change my language, how much I need to learn, how much I need to understand that, what they're, going through and the way their body operates and the, you know, whatever point of transition they're in, um, is, or how they ever, they identify is, you know, something that is belongs to them and that cannot be articulated within kind of a, a cis heteronormative perspective that yes. pole dance sort of is complete, not sort of absolutely is implicated in. Um, I've, I've had women who were in their seventies. I had one woman who, um, was uh, taking, uh, oh my gosh, this story always really gets me. Uh, she was in her 70s and uh, Valentine's Day was coming up and she uh, was very adamant about taking lap dance lessons. And she was taking private lap dance lessons with me for you know months before Valentine's Day and uh, becoming a little bit hard on herself about it and really mm -hmm. wanted to get it right. And I said, you know, why this is not going to work if you're, you know, being hard on yourself like this. It's just, I feel like I don't have enough time to get this right. I'm so, well, you know, it doesn't have to be Valentine's day. And she said, well, you know, 
then she disclosed to me that she was suffering from a degenerative disease and this was probably the last kind of moment where she was going to be able to be, you know, sexual or express herself sexually for somebody in her partner, uh, for her partner within, you know, that the time span that she, she had. And it was, it was like, wow, now I have to think about, you know, people's you know, abilities also, mm -hmm. uh, you know, while they're, while they're dancing. So it's, it's just, everyone has every, a story. Everybody has a story. Has a story. And you can't just, you know, say, Oh, just feel it in your body. Cause everybody's got so many body. different issues everyone's, relating to yeah, their bodies. You for know? Sure. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, what comes up is that like everyone deserves to like feel that and Absolutely, express that yeah. and to feel that side of yes. themselves, whether they're a man or woman or however yeah. they identify what their age, their mm -hmm. weight, anything. Like I think people have this idea of what it looks like yeah. to be a pole dancer or to dance yeah. or to express yourself sexually. And it's like so beautiful that like everyone, 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 everyone. And it, it lights something up mm -hmm. in you and it really transforms people. I'm sure you've seen like a transformation oh God, in, when, in the women that come see you. Like I know our dance classes, like mm -hmm. the ones that I've taken, like have changed mm -hmm. me so much. Like my confidence, like my ability, even the way that I move and, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's really beautiful. Yeah. So. You take it out in the world with you. Yeah. yeah. Like it, 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 the, I think the thing that we've been dancing around that, <laughs> that we haven't put our finger on or, or, you know, isn't necessarily pole, but it's, it's, you know, the, permission to be sexual beings that women are not necessarily allowed to have their you know to be sexual beings within their own right and not for somebody else you yeah. know and um that's always been the problem that i've had with with, with mm -hmm. sexual expression just because i've always been like the single girl you know yeah. i've never been in relationship really mm -hmm. right <laughs> and um and and that's something that we've spoken about a lot meg about how like it's always felt like we were we exist in this world that Set where sexuality for a woman is reserved in within partnership yeah. and it's and it's a performance and it's for someone else mm -hmm. and dance for me has always is a place where I'm able to find like dance lingerie all these things mm -hmm. that I'm exploring now as a woman it's a place for me to because I have a hard time even using those things for my partner for mm -hmm. a man you know yeah, like for me I'm still uncomfortable with that and it's still about me it's still for me it's still to help with my confidence my self-love my mm -hmm. self-esteem my self-worth like those are tools for me in a way to express myself and it and I still don't use it for the way that typically you would expect a woman to use it you know well, yeah. yeah and typically it's expected to be bait mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and and just like for somebody else would you say that pole is um a way that you practice self-love and self-care? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a little bit different, though, for me. Like, it's gone through waves. Yeah. There are times where I've really had to put pole aside because it was not something that was self-care. It was becoming work because it is my job, you know? Um, and I feel like also the the... Um, the social networking aspect of it added another layer of not only real labor, you know, but affective labor to mm -hmm. kind of, kind of come up with, you know, something to some content to put out there. And I was like, you know what, I'm not it's doing that. This doesn't yeah. belong to me anymore. Yeah. So I need to step back and find a different way to connect or different time to connect to this practice. But it absolutely is a, a practice of self-love and, and, you know, it, it really was the vehicle for me to understand that um, I am uh, that the, my most important sexual partner is myself, you know, always. Yeah, you know? I know. <laughs> just like, I think uh, we just both like actually yeah. that we were glowing yeah. in that moment. <laughs> oh, God. I love I that. Know. Yeah, and it, that, that's kind it's of the like, bottom line, yeah. right? And and Paul mm. helped you realize that one hundred percent. Yeah, Paul really, really did. Paul was um, a huge part of my you know, awakening in a lot of ways, as far as my sexuality, as far as my, you know, my intellectual journey. Uh, it was very much uh, kind of connected to how I, you know, how I view my intellectual work as far as uh, my research on feminism and all that stuff. So, and labor and, yeah. Have you always been tapped into self-love, taking care of yourself were there darker times did you have to dig up the the stuff i mean were there darker times there's always dark you times. know like <laughs> where like to, to have grown to have shifted like you know 
tell us about somewhere where you came from, you know, because we see you now mm. where you are. And it's brilliant and it's powerful and it's inspiring mm. just to like hear you. Um, and yeah, what was your biggest block? Like your it's, I think what was my biggest block still is my, my biggest yeah. block. You know, that hasn't gone away. I think that's something that I'm always going to struggle with is um, kind of I'm somebody who's very hard on herself mm. and I will punish myself very easily. And... I, I did that with fitness, you know, when I was a mm-hmm. fitness instructor, just straight fitness, yep. you know, it's, it's the idea of either aesthetics or, um, how many weights, how many reps you can do and kind of always evolving. No pain, pushing. no gain. Exactly. No pain, no gain. And I would use it literally to drive myself, my body into the ground. And, um, I kind of recognize that when, you know, pole started, uh, you know, having no relation to quantifiable data as far as, you know, the same way fitness works. And it was just about, you know, wow, I kind of discovered something new with this movement or I was able to do this new trick in a, in a cool way. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's still like that. I'm still very hard on myself and I'm still somebody who has a tendency to punish yourself. Um, have and you developed any tools to kind of overcome that or it's being honest with myself, checking myself about it, yeah. you know, uh, always movement. Movement is huge with that for me, but, uh, it's, it's awareness. I think yeah. I've, I've really, um, uh, made an effort to keep myself in check and check in with myself yeah. all the yeah. time, because I do think that it's a strength as well. Being hard on yourself means, you know, you have a certain work ethic. You are not going to, you know, um, blame other people for your, exactly. Quality. Yeah. Are you able to put something of yourself out there and really stand behind it and be like, I did a fucking badass job. Are you like, Oh, I wish I did this or I wish I did that. That's still something I'm working on for sure. It's practice. Yeah. It's, it's, there's always pride and, 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 you know, you've done something, but I think, I think that's also part of being a woman. The way we're kind of brought up, we're always, you know, you have to make yourself smaller so that you don't draw too much attention Mm -hmm. to yourself, that you don't draw the bad attention. And, you know, it's, it's part of that policing thing. It's like, Oh, did I do that totally right? And putting that out there, I could have done better at this or I could have, and sometimes you just got to go fuck it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, something that I feel like keeps coming up is this idea of like this, the internal mm-hmm. um, expression, like the internal feel, the way that you feel internally when you're doing something, when you're expressing yourself and then the reaction around you or the judgment. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the kind of constant battle that we face. I, I think mm-hmm. as, as women, as people um, is this, idea, it, it's the duality, like the masculine and feminine, but also yep. the, uh, the exterior and the interior, mm-hmm. like those dialogues, like between those things. Um, would you have any advice for people who are getting into pole dancing or who want to do exotic and they, and they're dealing with that stigma or even like me, like I feel so nervous every time I'm posting, uh, I post pole dancing. I love pole dancing yeah. and I, and you know, yeah. I'm just getting started. It's only been a year I'm doing it. And I like, I love sharing my videos. Mm-hmm. Like people really love watching them. I get really good feedback, but there's always a resistance and I'm always so scared. Like right before I post, I'm like, is this too much? Like that. And like, I still have that resistance and that judgment coming from myself mm-hmm. and that fear of judgment from other people. Like, how have you dealt with uh, that stigma? Like, have you, um, is it something that you still deal with? Do oh you, how did you get over that? You know, it's, it's, I don't think you, I don't think you ever get over it because we are kind of stuck with that, um, that, that sort of stigma and that policing, even when we were talking about at the beginning within the pole community, even with, there's a lot of kind of uh, that type of, um, sort of, uh, misogynistic way of looking at dancers who prefer to do it in heels and do exotic dance rather than gymnastic or contemporary or whatever. You know, there's a lot of sort of, um, yeah, there's a divide there, you know. Uh, the, gosh, even I struggle with this because I have to be careful also with the two worlds. I've got a foot in academia, which is, you know, the institution, right? Uh, 
that's conservative and all that, and also the dancing. So I do wonder, how is this going to impact my career if I'm fully open about it? But it's also part of kind of my feminism. So it's an expression of you know who I am as a as a as a, as a feminist. So I always try to kind of reconcile those two things and say, if I don't open this up, it's always going to stay the same. And then, and I'm not, you know, saying it's all on me or all on you, but the, the, we have to sort of kind of withstand those assaults, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's always going to be somebody who's going to have a really shitty comment or who's going to say, uh, you know, you're, who's going to slut shame you or whatever, but you know, it's, it's sort of, you can choose to take the time and respond to that comment in a way that is going to maybe enlighten the person and move the conversation forward or ignore it or, you know, but the last thing you should do, I think, is diminish yourself. yourself. Yeah, Yeah. like like kind of make yourself smaller or, or, you know, police yourself. We're just, you know, repeating or reproducing that construct that is... uh, oppressing us from without yeah no that's it and i feel like that's part of the mission you Mm -hmm. know it's like yeah everyone can do their part Mm -hmm. you know for me it's like i feel like even the little things like that Mm -hmm. it's like no i'm putting it in your face and i'm making you have a reaction and like let's have this conversation or like like ask yourself why does this make you angry why are you upset that i'm expressing myself Mm -hmm. in this way like those and i ask myself those questions like why am i afraid of showing this you know and and i'm like am i just doing it for attention you know that that's also a comment that comes up in my own and even if you were why would that be a problem because women are not allowed to be proud of themselves they're not allowed to celebrate themselves Mm -hmm. you know this is as much as this is like my mission with my business and like what I do is like that like to to empower yourself and to be proud of yourself and to celebrate yourself and your femininity your sexuality and to have the right to do that it's like I'm still constantly battling those Mm -hmm. voices so for me it's basically from what you're saying I'm like it's it's inspiring me to like continue and be like no I have to yeah and we we talk about this all the time is that you know, just because you're one thing, why should it take away from something mm-hmm. else? As long as it's not illegal, hurting mm-hmm. someone, you know, and you're a teacher, but then you're doing terrible things. Like, it's like, I, I was a preschool teacher before, mm-hmm. and now, you know, I work in the fitness industry, and I am, a you know, a prominent kind of face in this company. And I've had these moments when we were taking that, you know, sexy high heel dance class and posting videos and just out being with my friends doing things. Why should that take away mm-hmm. from, you know, your credibility one, one, as, part, one yeah. piece of the pie. And when you were speaking just, you know, a couple of moments ago, I was like, end up crying at some point of our podcast. Check the PMS calendar. No, not even. Okay. Um, is just, oh, gosh, paving the route for women to be fully themselves and just paving it by being fully yourself. And that's all you need to do. Mm-hmm. That's all anyone needs to do is just be fully themselves. And like we've said sometimes, yeah, okay, you don't always have to post everything. That's your choice. You know, you can just be a school teacher online and have a crazy other world and that's absolutely yeah, that's your, your choice. choice. Um, but to but to see people do it and take that chance and be, you know, a little fearless um, is really in, inspiring because this is where like we do kind of hold hold people hold themselves back and then you know it's this little funny little divide and if I I want to be this but I that means I can't be that it's like why can't you refuse to choose why can't man. you be you can it be, all yes. yeah yeah really yeah. hashtag <laughs> yeah. we're starting a hashtag refuse slash to choose refuse yeah. to choose <laughs> yeah be everything well yeah but there's always this fear that um, I, I, it has to do it's women that that deal with this that if you do one thing it might um, kind of impact your credibility as a mother, as a uh-huh. professional, as a teacher, as a this, as a that, as a daughter, as a, you know, and, and uh, your sexuality is the only thing that really belongs to you. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, if you're not <laughs> male <laughs> um, and uh-huh. identifying with, you know, with that gender, uh, your, your sexuality is policed, your body is policed, your, you know, your you've got to fit with certain norms, you know? And so it's, it's really difficult to kind of 
articulate what is myself? What am I, what is the self that I'm putting out there? And am I doing it honestly? Like, is it to get attention? And you're, you were asking yourself, is that bad if, if I actually want attention? If it's, you know, because any attention is supposed to come from a place of insecurity, of daddy issues, of, you know, uh, mm-hmm. loose morals. Yep. And, but the thing is, is, it's such a mind fuck because we're taught at a young age that the only thing that's important as a woman is to get attention, yep. you know, to get male attention. Serving and male interests. Yeah. Signals. And mm-hmm. that's the thing. That's why we're so stuck and we feel mm-hmm. so paralyzed because we're like, I have this message here that's telling me mm-hmm. this, but then I want to do this. And then there's this other message and then we're completely lost and we just don't know what to do and that's anymore. how we police each other. Yep. And that's how society or, you know, the system is ingrained in us to police each other yeah, to keep and us, to not like the yeah. girl who's doing it like that and or, that's or not why, like the exotic dancer yeah. or not like, or be, you know, to and judge her and to look down yeah. on her and to be like, Oh, like you're an exotic dancer yeah. though. You know, to me, I always say people are like, you know, people have asked me like, mm-hmm. Oh, are you, are you, do you want to be a stripper? And, and, and I'm like, like you know what? what? I, Big deal. I am yeah. s- those women to me. I'm like, wow mm-hmm. like to like i'm very impressed like i i don't think i could do it like i would be just terrified and like to put yourself up there and to like own your sexuality mm-hmm. in that way and in front of people and to be able to withstand mm-hmm. that type of attention that type of male attention that you can't really control you're in an environment where you're being sexualized mm-hmm. and to play with that type of energy and to show up in a powerful way to me is like is like holy shit and I do think that pole now especially since exotic dance and I feel very kind of conflicted about this and very wanting the pole community to talk about it a little bit more um, and this has come out a little bit in the past couple of years with the hashtag not a stripper thing on 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 Instagram um, that pole if you're going and you're paying for a class and you're putting on your shoes and you're dancing and you have the safe safe space to do it uh you know, you have to understand that that's a very privileged way for you to exercise this unleashing of your own sexual self. When other women do have to do it or choose to do it for a living. And so I have a big problem with the pole industry um, or sort of the, 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 the aesthetics of exotic dance kind of uh, being glamorized in a way because we're doing it by choice. Yeah. In and a way that, that the exotic yeah. dance and, you know, yeah. the, 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 the work, the labor that, that women do in that, in, you know, in sex work, any sex work is put down yeah. mm-hmm. and stigmatized mm-hmm. and left behind. And that is something that I wish, especially girls that did exotic, da- that do exotic dance for a hobby, um, would be, would want to talk about more, yeah. you know? Yeah. And not yeah. put, cause not hashtagging, not a stripper yeah. is completely, it's, it's putting them down. down. It's oppressing yeah. them. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's, yeah, it's you know, making it's not that divide, keeping someone down. It's yeah. It's uh, sex work is, is yeah. work and it's important work and yeah. it needs to be recognized as such, you know? So yeah. do you think that moving forward is this kind of almost like a goal or a mission or is there anything that you see in terms of, yourself, your role in the future within this kind of poll. I mean, when you guys were talking a minute ago, I just was like, wanted to shout out that like, it just feels like this sexual redemption and like taking it back, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Is there something that you see yourself or a role that you play or how you want to get your voice out there with either people in the industry new, like somewhere that you want to take this? Like, you're like, I'm here... Or is it just going to kind of flow and you're going to keep being you and see where this... You, you know, it's it's funny because I've been at a real crossroads with, you know, the pole game and the the, the Sonia Sloan thing for mm-hmm. the past six months um, and wondering how I'm going to... how to move forward with it and whether even social networking platforms are the way to do it, especially the way Instagram, for example, has completely changed. Um and you know the shadow bands and mm-hmm. all this stuff and the way now it's 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 so embroiled with you know production and you know the reproduction of wealth and capitalism it's all about selling and and stuff that there is i'm not sure anymore if it's the right platform for what i originally intended to do with you know, Sonia Sloan and with, with the pole, um, you know, uh, genre and kind of opening up for more acceptance of women's own uh, sexuality. I think 
it really is the one-on-one that, that's the most impactful. I've realized it's not kind of necessarily broadcasting, or if it's broadcasting, it's not going to be, I don't think, on that platform anymore. I'm still trying to figure it out. But where I've seen the best results is just in classes. You know, one girl at a time, one guy at a time, one person coming in and wanting to try and wanting to open themselves up and just seeing their evolution and then recognizing that, wow, I really kind of have was was sort of closed off on on all these ideas about you know my own sexuality or how I should be in the world as a woman as a person I think it's it really is in in the small space in the personal space um, of practice where it's most impactful I don't think people get it by watching it I think people get it by doing it and this is why it's been so great Mm -hmm. to even have guys come into exotic dance classes and and do it anyway do it just to see what that space is like you know and and understand yeah i uh, so much is coming up for me with mm-hmm. this i like i feel you so much too on the on the instagram the social media it is it's something's changing you mm-hmm. know and and i i i if you figure it out let me know like yeah. what the next step is because i'm i feel we're in the same place mm-hmm. of like it is very impactful in on the small scale but to to broadcast it, it it's hard to really get the message across and to to make people understand the actual actual transformative power of these types of experiences and you can't make anybody understand anything no the only way people understand things is through experience and that's why it's mm-hmm. the person who's going you know that's so shameful you're horrible it's that person that you know you're never going to convince them no. of anything the only thing you can do is like Come to a class, man. Yeah. Come and dance and with being, me. And also, and like, maybe you'll see what it's like. Exactly. Yeah. And I think part of like your experience of like your growth experience as a dancer and like connecting to your sexuality. When I asked you that question at the beginning, you also worked intimately with with strippers, right? Mm-hmm. With exotic dancers mm-hmm. that did it for a living. And so, for you to be around them and mm-hmm. like get to know them in that way, and I think for you that must have been huge as well and I think that's an experience that not many people have mm-hmm. because it's so easy to judge from far right and to not understand what they're going through but once I, I would see a lot of value in having those classes be mixed because I feel like it is very segregated mm-hmm. it's like okay the exotic dancers go mm-hmm. do that class and then it's like those people do that class and they're not coming together to kind of yeah. share their experiences yeah. so I think there might be something there with with that to just have everyone benefit from yeah. a, a, an understanding like a really open eyed understanding that this sport, you know, Mm -hmm. this practice, whatever you want to call it, self-love practice, whatever it is to you, does, you know, it's completely, you know, uh, how could I say this, capitalizing on a type of work, sex work that has been, uh, you know, uh, criminalized, that has been um, stigmatized, that has kept women down that continues to keep women down even talking about you know them as you know them it's like women it's not them it's not us and them it's not you know you and them it's it really is you know and it's 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 not yes for other some women who are in sex work it is a necessity and it's not necessarily by choice but you know it, it it's work that you know, a lot of my friends who are sex workers are are proud of, and yeah. they should be, and I'm proud yeah. of them. Yeah. You know, I have and, a and lot. Yeah, I have friends too that just feel they feel empowered by it, and they're and it's not it's not just they're not just saying that they're just like it's, no, it's not something they, that, that it's like oh I have to go through this. It's it's really yeah. just no, it's my work, it's my job. Yeah. And why I can't that, why can't it be normalized? You know, yeah. the people who probably judge, you know, are coming from a place of insecurity, and they're getting triggered, and you know maybe they're looking at these dancers and people who ha- seem like they have chosen to be so free and it's like, well, why am I stuck here with this nine to five job? She shouldn't be, you know, and, and that's where the kind of judgment mm, yeah, comes there is a little from bit of that for sure. is like, Oh, why does she get to wear her lingerie online? Why does she get to dance like that? And it's, you know, I think that it's probably people feeling trapped, triggered something and we could all do a little bit of digging. I mean, every time you feel that moment of judgment, it's an opportunity to look inside and be like, what where's that coming from? Where is that coming from? Yeah. Where is that coming from? Um, but, um, yeah, it's fascinating. And in these classes, do you guys have the opportunity to express chat 
talk or is it mostly? In classes, no. Um, you know, I always have, there's always conversation. Mm-hmm. I always try to bring up one little snippet for, you know, people who are in the, cla- in the class to understand that you're not just dancing. You know, you, you need to give yourself permission here to kind of explore something that, you know, or, or question, why am I uncomfortable here? Mm-hmm. Why, you know, am I worried about this? Why should you be worried about this? You know, so that's coming from a certain voice, a certain place that's sort of, you know, stifling you from really opening up to this practice and why. And, you know, there is a bit of a conversation, uh, but it's mainly in the workshops that I teach that I mm-hmm. really try to, because they're longer, so you have more time, you know, and it's also a more curated experience because people want to have those conversations. Yeah. Uh, those conversations. Sometimes people just, they just want to learn to dance. They just want the technique. How do I get from this movement to that movement? And that's important too, so that it's fluid and all that stuff. Spare me the yada yada yeah. about emancipation. Fine. <laughs> if that's not your groove, cool. You know, you good. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I try, it, it, it always filters in. Like I can't help it. How do people find out about your workshops? Because I'm sitting here being like, oh my gosh, I want to attend. And I know that, you know, this is a nice nudge for people, just even a world that a lot of people probably didn't even know Mm -hmm. existed Mm -hmm. in terms of that container, that environment Mm -hmm. for women. Well, I haven't really been, I haven't given any since I, you know, finishing the PhD was kind of a a big hurdle. Yeah. That (laughs) occupied the last, uh, the last 12 months of my life. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think if there are going to be workshops coming up, it would be, um, more, it it would be on Instagram for sure that that's where they would find it because, you know, where are we without it? God damn it. It's like the, it's like the mafia, you know? know. Once you think you're out, they pull you back in. You just can't get away from it. Um, but yeah, I would like it to be less kind of a pole focus thing and more, this is why I love floor work and there aren't enough floor work classes, like exotic floor work and movement and stuff like that, where you can just, you know, roll around on the ground and be with your own body and touch yourself and discover things it would be more around those lines along those lines the type of workshop that I would do well I can guarantee you that there will be Mm. a demand (laughs) (laughs) you've already got two participants (laughs) and like everyone listening I'm sure I have so many women all the time every time I post full dancing videos they're like where do you take your classes but the thing about exotic is that they're always full full. and you have to book seven weeks in advance or two weeks in advance or whatever but and it's crazy like to keep up with that it's hard so there is a real demand for Mm -hmm. it I think people want it Mm -hmm. I think I don't know we have to Gotta What's figure your, something yeah, out, gotta guys. Figure something out. <laughs> What's your name on Instagram? Sonia Sloan. So you spell Sonia that? underscore Sloan. So Sonia S O N J A underscore S L O A N E. Beautiful. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with Red Sonia. Do you guys know who that is? No, I actually don't. Okay, she's like a warrior. Yeah, she's hair. Conan, uh, Conan the Barbarian's sort of counterpart. Okay. And Brigitte oh, yeah. Nielsen played her in the movie, and I was like, oh my god. This is exactly who I want to be when I grow up. Well, I wanted to be her and any girl that was in like an Alice Cooper video or, <laughs> you know, or, or Motley Crue video. I was like, how do I get to be that? And now I'm basically fulfilling my dream by there doing pole. There you go, girl. But, uh, and, yet, and then Sloane was the um, Ferris Bueller's girlfriend, who I, I always know. thought I was such a fantastic. Yeah. That fringe jacket and those uh, boots. I was like... Uh. Yeah. My niece is named Sloane, yeah. so she's going to be a badass for life. <laughs> <laughs> Equal love to all my nieces and nephews. Yeah. Um, okay, brilliant. I know that, you know, I'm I'm sure we're both so excited to even have you back. There's so much to we explore could have going, in terms going, of even, uh, you're really I'd getting me thinking back, about yeah. art and feminism, you know, through the decades and... Um, political expression through the decades and just everything. I mean, I, I know I'm. It's, it's just a been powerful such a topic. Yeah. And really those is. those conversations from the '70s, like the second wave, and is really kind of appropriate to talk within the context of poll because yeah. of you know how essentialist it was and women. You know, it, it, women. It, it was really viewed as just uh, articulated as you know very uh, trans exclusive type of feminism and and uh, you know and, and we've got to open up. The, the idea of what, you know, female sexuality is, regardless of, you know, of yeah. the, the biological, you know, sex you were born with. So, yeah, yeah so it's, it's good to kind of re-examine 
the struggles of the women in the 70s to kind of go, okay, mm. what can we leave behind? What can we not throw out the, you know, the baby with the with the water basket? What is that expression? Yeah. yeah. Bath water. Yeah. Baby yes. with the bath water. Yeah. Baby with yeah. the bath water. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, actually looking back, I have one last question. Mm-hmm. Um, you said that you were always like tapped into your feminine power, your sexuality. Um, would you have like one piece of advice that you would tell that younger self in that moment when she wasn't maybe fully connected? Like, is there something you would you would want to give advice on? Yeah. Um, gosh, and it's something I keep telling myself because now I'm aware of it. It's like stop worrying about what people think. It's not going to matter. You're so concerned about it within this moment, about what this person or this, you know, community or this audience is going to think of you and how it's going to impact you in the long term. And in five years, 10 years, three years, you're not going to think about it. You're not, it's not going to impact you, but it will impact you that you, you know, kept yourself a little confined bit, yeah, confined or you, you policed your, yeah. your, your behavior. Of course, you know, try to be aware of where your judgments come from and what you were saying and where that self-policing attitude comes from and also who you kind of want to be. And I guess don't, and how, actually it's not who, it's how you want to be. How do you want to be? And try not to worry about what people are going to say. It's so facile and such a you know cliche thing to say but i'm constantly struggling with that oh yeah i'm always one you know it's like you're not alone (laughs) people it doesn't it doesn't matter yeah and it's 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 a reflection of everything takes practice so the more Mm -hmm. you can just lean into that Mm -hmm. okay that one post or that one thing i'm gonna say or that one family whatever i'm gonna do that more you can just do it one instance yeah. at a time yeah. without Lean caring, the, yeah. it becomes it becomes you. Yeah. You yeah. practice the the kind of person that you want to become. It's literally yeah. practice. Like it's, don't pack yeah. your bags. Don't yeah. go on the guilt trip. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Even yeah. before there's a guilt trip, you're packing your bags, know. you know? <laughs> Getting ready for it. So you're sort yeah. of, you know, it's just Try yeah, not that's to so give funny. A fuck. Someone literally yeah. just told me she was like, "Drop your bag of shit." Yeah. Like my my spiritual healer that uh-huh. I go see, um, she's like, "Drop your bag of shit." Just like literally drop it. And it's the stories that we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it it's is. like you're 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 there and you're constantly. It's like yeah. it's enough. Like yeah, own it. Stop I have a, I have a friend. I'm dying, and he's always telling me to empty my backpack. There yeah. you go. <laughs> We're all carrying these bags, you know. That reminds me of such a great song, Erica Badu, Bag Lady. Oh that, yeah, yeah. yeah. You need the to put that on. Thanks for tuning in, hanging out, and being part of this self-love journey with us. We're in this together. Help us spread self-love by taking a selfie and letting us know how you practice self-love or by sharing something that inspired you from this episode. Be sure to share it in your stories, tagging at Lingerie with the hashtag BedTalksByAliceCast so we can repost you. If you love the message and want to support, be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. See you next time for more Real Talk with your girls, Megan Sabrina.